that's a fundamental part of planning is you, you get input, identify the needs of the community from the residents, and that's what we've done, and it's ingrained in the, into really a process that drives what the city does and the direction we're going. It's driven by, ultimately, by our residents. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the GovGab Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks for being a part of another episode. And excited to introduce our first city administrator into the mix here on the podcast, where we get to sit down with uh, city administrator John Benson from Marshfield, Missouri. It's a small community just outside Springfield, Missouri. And get an opportunity to chat with John about you know his career and how he started out in planning, and trying to, you know, kind of growing communities from that standpoint, and then his transition into being a city administrator um, at Marshfield. Really cool conversation, a lot of great insight from John about his journey um, and some of the things that he deals with on a day-to-day basis, working with citizens, uh, working with the mayor and the uh, board of aldermen, etc. So I think you guys will really enjoy this episode and our wide-ranging conversation with John Benson. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation today with City Administrator John Benson. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Well, so I'm excited to talk through, you know, over these first few episodes of the, the GovGab podcast, I talk with, you know, mayors across the country. And obviously, it's a little different um, animal there where they have other full-time jobs and, and obviously it's a, an elected position. I really want to talk with some city administrators, city managers across the country as well, and really see that other dynamic, you know, the other side of the house where, you know, this is something you've obviously with your career has grown into um, this position. So I want to take a first, I always like to take a step back, I guess, you know, from a background standpoint and understand do you remember back when you were kind of going into um, into your into college? I know you went to um, Iowa State um, and kind of got your uh, you know bachelor of science in community and regional planning. Do you remember why you did that? Was there something that intrigued you back in that time that you wanted to go in and kind of work in that um, kind of work in that part? I guess for a career. I'm, I'm curious if you start there and then we'll kind of bring it up to present day. Sure. Um, yeah, back when uh, coming out of high school. And I went to junior college, actually, before I went to Iowa State, but um, kind of to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was always interested in de- design and that that migrated from specific building design, like architecture, to um, broadening that out to community, community design on a broader level um, is what more intrigued me. And so that's what led me to Iowa State. Uh, with their community and regional planning program there, which um, community planning and design in that regard uh, or in that context. So um, also I grew, I would, I lived 45 minutes from Ames, Iowa at the time. So obviously that was kind of in my backyard and um, to go to school there. What was it some, you know, obviously in some of your earlier positions as like planners at, at some different, you know, cities and counties and what have you, what were some of the things that you kind of learned early on about government or, or local government that intrigued you? Maybe it was some things that surprised you as well, uh, but kind of intrigued you to keep going um, with that. Um, well, I started out in the in 
along that line, my first uh, internship actually when I was still in school was with the Regional Planning Commission in central Iowa and um, how cities um, do what they do, I guess, uh, was the eye-opening and it, in an academic sense and class setting, you, you learn you learn things of processes and the, the, the whys, if you will, of why do we do that or why does the city do this or that. Um, but in the internship and even in my first job out of college working for that same regional planning commission was the the level of detail that putting in a sewer line to to provide better services or accommodate accommodate um, growth for a community isn't is not as easy as well let's just go dig the trench and put in the pipe and connect it you know connect it all together and there's a lot of behind the scenes of the financing to that to the engineering and design and and what is the right place or direction to account for as far as growth goes to um, accommodating future growth, where should that growth occur in a business sense of operating a city as opposed to um, what other interests or other purposes or factors of how to, where that growth should occur or what's most economical, I guess, is what I'm trying to get across. Um, so that behind the scenes, um, input or decision-making process that that goes into things before the actual construction of whether it be a sewer line a swimming pool a street things like that the other part of it i think is um, often overlooked even to this day i think over the last i'm going to say 10 years maybe 20 years i think it's becoming more and more evident to the public is the maintenance cost of maintaining the infrastructure whether that be a lot of times in the news you hear about bridges and state highway bridges that are um, needing to be replaced and the funding is not there to replace those because of when all the bridges and the, the nation's highway system was constructed um, in a relatively tight time frame of a few decades and now those those bridges are wearing out and the same applies to sewer lines water lines paving streets how long you, you resurface or repave a a street and that asphalt hopefully lasts 20 years or maybe a little longer and but sometimes it doesn't last that long and so how do you how does the city come up with the funding to pay for that next resurfacing or the maintenance or replacing how long do sewer pipes or water pipes last before they need to be replaced or upgraded to a different material where we experiencing we are experiencing that now with what used to be a standard um, type of pipe of cast iron piping was very common well nowadays cast iron pipe it it holds up over time but the on the chemistry side of things the cast iron interacts with the chemicals in the water the chlorine and other things that causes discoloration or other issues with the pipes where pvc type piping doesn't do that and so um you know, it's it's a learning curve. Learning what used to be good, current technology is replaced with new technology in the sense of the type of pipe material. So, um, just a lot of behind the scenes things that um, are learned, like any any profession, uh, but also of just um, learning experience, real life experience of learning it that you don't you just learn on the job to some degree as technology changes as well. Yeah, I mean that's something new. I didn't I didn't realize there was uh, some challenges with that. So, 
you taught me something today. Um, what, what is the, I'm just curious, I guess my, my mind's running. What is like a general, like you're talking about changing the, the piping. What's the time commitment to that? Like how long does that take? Like, you know, for your city, how long would that take to, to replace all the pipes in the city? Um, I don't have a definitive number to give you, but uh, what drives that answer or to get to that answer is all driven by how much funding, how many, how much, how many dollars does the city have to put towards things like that versus other needs that those dollars are competing against um, in the community? And where does the replacing the pipe prioritization wise fit within the community as a need? Um, in our case, we, in the last two years, um, we've replaced or last year and by the end of this year, we, I should say, we will have replaced about 4,000 linear feet of, of old cast iron pipe. So what we're doing is about two to maybe 3,000 linear feet of cast iron pipe a year get, now get replaced um, by our crews. Um, and that we're doing that in, with in-house, so to speak, with our own, own staff, as opposed to contracting out with a contractor to come in and do that. And, and the reason being is, we can do it more cheaply with our own staff because we don't have to pay the the labor costs and the equipment costs uh, above beyond what we currently have staffing wise. Uh, of course, we have to balance that with our what what else our staff needs to be doing workload wise and and what the equipment needed for that. So um, that's why we're just taking a on an annual basis an incremental approach to that, and that's driven part of the factoring into that is. I don't I don't recall exactly how many linear feet of cast iron pipe we need to replace ultimately, but that factors into what percentage of cast iron pipe of our whole system is. So um, where it, it it is depends ultimately to the answer to your question. It depends on the revenues the city has to put towards um, things like that. In this case, we're talking about replacing cast iron pipe for a water system versus using those dollars for other things. Well, and so obviously those are a lot of the tough decisions and as a, as a city administrator, you got to be a part of and, and, and help make. When did that change? I'm curious in your mind of going from saying, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a planner, I'm a senior planner, director of development, doing some of these things around that to saying, hey, I want to be a, a city administrator. Was there something, uh, was it years ago? When did that kind of take form, I guess? Or was that, was that the always the plan for you? No, it was not. It definitely was not always the plan for me. Actually, it's a um growing up uh, or i shouldn't say growing up in high school into college kind of once i figured out what the career path or area of, of interest that i wanted to get into um it was from being a oh i want to be a city planner and achieve that goal so to speak and was a city planner and then as i got more experience and was exposed to more aspects of of what a city planner does or the different things a city planner can do um, in different roles in different cities. Um, in a smaller community, the city planner is more of a generalist in the sense that they get, um, they'll wear multiple hats in the planning field of, could be develop, reviewing development plans to land use applications to, in my case, I was even involved early on in my career getting to do residential building inspections and some commercial building inspections um, to uh, my first job out of college for the Regional Planning Commission. I did a lot of grant writing for uh, community development block grants and uh, state grant programs um, to transit administration, 
a um, lot of different ways a, plan, a city planning or a planner can get involved in areas they can get involved in. Um, what I realized in my first job out of college was I really did not want, I did, did not enjoy doing grant writing every day, day to day, every week, so to speak, and there's cycles to that, nor did I really enjoy just doing transit administration, not diminishing the fact and the need for those things. It's just that was not my cup of tea. Um, and I went, I actually left that job to, for an opportunity with the city in the Des Moines metro area doing um, the development review, land use applications. That's where the building inspections got exposure to that. And then from there um, became um, applied and became a community development director for a county um, in the Kansas City area. Took on more responsibilities, still the development review and those. There I really, and interestingly, uh, while that first job out of college and even my internship of doing grant writing in transit administration wasn't really my cup of tea, later in my career I realized the experience I got from doing those things paid major dividends for me because it gave me a knowledge level to draw from. Not not just how to write a grant or that, but but the benefits and the the different avenues of grant funding available out there that I'm able to draw from even to this day. Um, even in on transit administration in Marshfield, which is a rural community of, of approximately 7,200 people, we have transit needs, but at our population size, we're not big enough where it's economical to or feasible to really run a transit system. And so we have to get creative and partner with the spring in the Springfield, Missouri metro area. And we're still work, trying to work through that, that issue and that need, but I'm able to draw from that transit administration experience in my very first job years ago. So um, that's one of the takeaways, and I guess for listeners out there, depending on their where they are in their career, but uh, particularly younger younger people starting out careers, is you may not like doing something, or it may not be something you're really passionate about, but don't discount that experience because down the road that can come back and and be very beneficial to you where you do that does tie directly into your passion, whatever that may be. So. No, that's that's great advice, and and I'm curious too. When obviously you've been you know at Marshfield for a few years now, what's the um, I guess what is one thing you wish you knew prior to coming in there that you maybe learned over the last few years that you wish you kind of knew early on? Is there one thing you can remember that you know would have been nice or beneficial to have known? Um, one not one thing. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of things. Um, the I guess a couple of things that just off the cuff come to mind are um, in as a city administrator, or at least in my experience, the when I was a city planner, um, as I mentioned earlier, I was more of a generalist when I say that, but yet it was um, still relatively it was around planning, city planning. And as a city administrator, you're now at a you're it's not just city planning overseeing that and not that i'm this is a double-edged sword or kind of a dichotomy of overseeing not just planning but also the public works the water the sewer the streets to we have a fire department to um general administration of the city hall or city government um to finance department things like that now having said that there are, i have people in Marshfield that are department heads and superintendents in each of those areas that they're they're involved in the day-to-day -day down in the weeds, so to speak. Um, but 
as the city administrator, I, I support those individuals and make sure we're all working in a coordinated fashion. And as a city administrator, it's you get pulled in a lot of different directions um, because for that reason, there's just you're overseeing the entire organization in essence, as opposed to as a planner with me, I was in one area or one department and or a department head of one specific area. And so um, the the not that that was new, it was just the degree to which that you get pulled is um, is greater than what I anticipated. Um, the and in a way, it, it goes back to being a generalist where, um, and I'd like to circle back to kind of a, talk about the planner from that perspective of a generalist planner. If you're a city planner, the other thing is if you're in a larger community, um, particularly a larger city, you generally, they have multiple planners, and so a planner will be involved specifically for just development review or just for grant writing or just for transit administration. They don't get exposed to all of those things. And so in my experience, um, in my in my career, I much preferred walking, working rather for the smaller community because I got exposure to a lot more things and learned a lot more things as a result of that. And that's just for my personality makeup. Now, others may may not like that. They may want to just specialize into a specific area, and that's and that's that's okay and that's good to know what what their interest area or where their interests lie in that regard. Um, as a city, bringing that forward to a city administrator, um, the generalist, in a sense, makes that transition of overseeing multiple departments and um, a little bit easier for me, at least. I think I, I can draw from that. Um, backing up to a question you asked me on, well, how did I transition or what led me from being a, a planning background, community development background, to city administration? It and how what caused that is ironically I missed out on a job opportunity I was I applied for a community a department head level community development director position was not I was an internal candidate um, was not selected an external candidate was selected um, after get kind of past the emotional part of disappointment of not being selected and um, I I had the opportunity to learn from the person that was selected as well as the city administrator that was there. And it was a, understood that the reasons I wasn't selected um, were valid. Um, the person that was selected brought a different skill set to the table um, and actually helped me, did a better job, I think, than what I would have done had I been selected based on what the issues confronting the city became. They were better set up. Um, to deal with those with their background and then say what I would have been there not that I couldn't have dealt with them but just they dealt with they were able to deal with them I think in a, a easier method than say I would have but I learned from that um, and one of the things I learned was or took from that experience was I went back to school to get my master's in public administration to broaden my knowledge I I realized I had kind of um, not that you can't continually learn and you never learn everything there is to learn, but I had I had kind of plateaued out, I think, and it made me realize that. And so um, I went back to school as a new challenge, got my master's in public administration. And when I was in that program, um, working on that degree, that's where I got, I was exposed to public administration at a city administrator level. And that had not even been on my radar of interest area before. Obviously, I knew of the position, but I didn't 
wasn't something that really intrigued me, but as I went through the master's program um, in public administration, it, it it broadened my horizons and taught me some new things, and that's what led me down the path of of public administrator or being becoming a city administrator and enticed me to start looking at that as a career career path or part of my career path. Um, having said that, I also recognized as being a city administrator the type of community I wanted to work in versus a type of community I didn't want to. And 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 what I mean by that is a because of my planning background, um, I wanted to be able to draw from that experience. And so a community that has facing growth issues or development issues, things like that, it was more of interest to me than say a community that didn't have those issues or what were not confronting those issues. So, um, and that's just the personal satisfaction in the job itself. Is there, is there one thing like, um, just like a citizen would be surprised. So obviously you have a lot of different things you're doing on a day-to-day basis, right. And kind of overseeing the city at large, but is there something like, uh, something that you have to do that's like some oddball task or something that someone would be surprised that a city administrator has to do or you have to specifically do in, in Marshfield? I'm just curious if there's anything. Um, I, don't, I don't, nothing that comes to mind, I guess. And I, and I guess the reason I'm saying it that way is my, my, how I'm, how I'm programmed mentally, I guess, is I, I view it as, a city is here to serve our residents, and I'm not saying that just to sound cliche about it, but um, obviously a city is here to serve their residents, but um, everything I do, I kind of take it from that that approach or mindset, um, I guess, maybe uh, to your question of maybe something that may surprise is um, I had a, a resident that um, and this is this goes actually beyond city government standard city or typical city government i guess but um resident the ice cream man the ice cream truck that drives around playing the music and and the ice cream truck never went down the street down their street and they had little kids and they they asked me not that they were demanding the city do something about it it wasn't that way at all but but it, it's one of my something that I take satisfaction in a little thing that makes is is a big or had a big impact on one household at least um they they were just saying the ice cream man never comes down our street because we're living it's a dead end street and and they have little two little girls and so I just happened to the ice cream man happened to go down my street where I lived and so I knew I knew I would see them I didn't know them but I saw them and so I stopped him one day when they were coming down the street a few days after I'd heard this and asked him if they could drive down the street. And he's like, sure. And, and they did. And that was to this day, I see that those girls and they will talk about that. And that was, that was over a year and a half ago. <laughs> so it's, it's little, it's the little things that make can make a big impact. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, you find the, uh, it's not always the big projects or the big flashy things that are high visibility that have a, a big impact. It's the little things in life too that can be just as big to to a resident. Yeah, and, I've, and that's a really cool story there. I'm, I'm curious how you uh, and coming in obviously, and again being a planner, I'm sure you you got involved with working with mayors or the council or anything like that. How does that dynamic work with with you guys currently? Um, I, was that a new challenge for you? Is that something, is it pretty seamless for the most part? Or can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you move the city forward 
by kind of working with those other, you know, uh, partners in the city, the mayor, the the uh, the council, et cetera. Sure. So uh, in our case here in Marshfield, um, the mayor, um, he's pretty active in not not the day to day city business operations, but he's um, he show he's more active than just showing up a, at a board of aldermen meeting a couple times a month. Um, he's between meetings, um, usually at least every other day. Um, he and I are texting or talking on the phone just with updates of status of things that are going on. Um, the um, to similar degree to a lesser degree, but similar with with the applicable board of aldermen. Um, though that the communication with the board of aldermen typically comes through at the at the uh, twice a month at our at their board of aldermen meetings, uh, but the mayor is much more as to a degree hands on um, and again not down to the daily operational side of things, but more on the projects, what's the status, how are things progressing on different different things uh, that are going on, and so we have a we he and I have a good uh, communication channel either texting, phone, things like that. Uh, also, he has um, he works a four day week, so on his day off, he's typically comes into city hall and we'll we'll meet and go over different things, um, meetings on different topics or issues as we need to. Um, and so he, he cuts out time of his schedule on those days to meet um, meet with me, or I'll reach out to him and set up a time a meeting for on a topic. Um, the um, outside or beyond the governing body, um, when I was hired, the Board of Aldermen here, one of the things they wanted in the city administrator uh, position was um, integration into the community or, or involvement, community involvement. And how I do that is um, I'm a member of a, the local Rotary Club, for instance. I also, at times, will attend other um, the Kiwanis Club meetings or an Optimist Club meetings, things like that. Um, we have a, a nonprofit organization here in town um, known as Grow Marshfield um, that I'm, I sit on the board of, along with the mayor and others in the community that sit on that board. Um, and so that's a coordination. And then probably underlying all of that, or particularly with Grow Marshfield, is before I was here working for Marshfield, the community had gone through uh, what we call our vision, uh, community vision casting process and had a consultant come in, met with different segments of our community of, res of residents and non-residents, but people that work in the area um, and got their input and just asked some real fundamental questions or basic questions of what, are the, what would they like to see? What are their needs? What are their issues that they identify? Those prior and those issues were all um, identified and then prioritized by those participants, um, and that's the driver for what we for projects that we are doing in this community, moving the community forward in the way that the residents would like to. And we um, that was in, that originally was done in 2014, last spring and or in the spring of 2018, we brought that same consultant back did that same exact process, but we learned from the 2014 we had underrepresented segments of our community that had not, not on t intentionally, but just unintentionally had not, had not, we had not heard from or to the degree we, we felt the need to um, seniors, uh, persons with disabilities, 
um, lower our that percentage of our community that's lower income households. We did not connect with those residents in those areas, and so we made a, a pointed effort to reach out to. Um, we went to the senior center on a, um, a luncheon there, and we we heard from 30 to 40 seniors um, that we met with, or I say we, our consultant. Um, she kicked myself and the mayor out of the building so they could talk freely and not be feel like the city was hovering over listening. Um, and it was all done anonymously is on their input. Um, we, she, we went to the sheltered workshop, or she did, met with um, to get input from dis folks with disabilities. We um, Head Start and um, uh, Ozark Area uh, Community Action uh, Agency. We met. We went. We, they helped us. Um, held some meetings where for people of, that are involved, their clientele met with us for, and that that gave us input from the some folks that are a segment of our population with lower income households. And so, along with teachers, realtors, the business community, parents, students, high school students, other segments as well, and that in that vision casting process, and that is really a foundational aspect to this community, and has resulted in very strong partnerships between not with the city, the Chamber of Commerce, we're a county seat, our county commission, we work very closely with uh, the school district, um, the Rotary Club, the Kiwanis Club organizations. It, it's ingrained in this community of the partnership mentality and kind of a cultural aspect. And again, going back to my my planning background, that's, that's a fundamental part of planning is you, you get input identify the needs of the community from the residents and that's what we've done and it's ingrained in the into really a process that drives what the city does and the direction we're going is driven by ultimately by our residents and well that's so, yeah and that's right line i wanted to kind of ask you on that point then what do you foresee and maybe it was with the study you guys had um or something else like what do you foresee as the biggest challenge the city's you know anticipating in the next few years and, and maybe what measures are you trying to take to i guess get ahead of it um so the the vision casting we're, we're we are in the latter stages of updating or developing and getting ready to adopt what we call our growth plan the city's portion of that growth plan will it will become our comprehensive plan um for Grow Marshfield, which is our economic development entity, it will be the driver, it will, or a strategic plan, if you will, uh, for Grow Marshfield. Um, we're partnering with the chambers involved with that, the Marshfield Development League, which is another nonprofit entity here in town that is involved with economic development efforts. Um, they have input and they will, we're hoping they will ultimately adopt it as well. Um, it's kind of a, a guiding document that overarches multiple organizations from a strategic planning approach. Um, implementing that plan will become, I think, a challenge. Um, and when you get into implementation, I think funding will become always becomes an issue. Um, and so finding the funding and the prioritization of that uh, or what's needed to implement that plan. Um, and I, I might, I don't want to mislead that. The, grow, the vision casting has been that plan. What we're doing, in essence, is building onto that vision casting process and integrating it into, or that input, into integrating it into other ways of that will drive what we do. Um, and so it's really um, 
some communities work from a top-down process, and I don't mean that in a negative. It's just it is a byproduct of who's elected um, to different offices or who the chamber president is or the chamber board. Um, those are the decision makers. In our case, that vision casting and that community input is really it's a grassroots effort that's drawing it. So it's a it's a bottom-up process that ultimately we're we have in place and we're strengthening by you know, our intent is to strengthen that through the growth plan. Um, and so um, going back to your previous question of that's the reason the Board of Aldermen, <clears throat> excuse me, when when I was uh, interviewing for this job and ultimately hired, wanted one of their key aspects was community involvement because to to partner you have to communicate continually and and work with other entities in in the community and that's that vision casting is sets that direction and then it's about partnering and communicate communication with those other entities and working together in a in a coordinated fashion and um, one of the things this governing body in Marshfield um, and I've I tell I've told the mayor this uh, he is very adept at um, consensus building. We don't, our discovering body um, works, moves forward on things from a consensus building standpoint. If someone's uncomfortable and cannot support it, they will, they won't, it doesn't come down to, I don't care, another alderman saying, I don't care what you think because I've got a majority of people with me on my side. And they'll just, if someone's really cannot support it, they, they, we don't move in that direction until there's consensus to move in that direction. So, and that key, key clarification is not, it's not unanimous. It's just that if somebody, I may not, somebody may not be in agreement with it, but as long as they can support it and they understand the reasoning, they won't work against it. And so that's, uh, they can live with it in essence. And so um, that's a, that as much as I like, that's, in my experience, that's somewhat rare in city government. Um, not, not, not that it doesn't exist elsewhere, but it's, it's what makes Marshfield Marshfield, I think, and, and from a city government standpoint. And do you guys observe, and I'm curious, you know, obviously you've been at some different, you know, um, different local governments and what have you, so you've learned that way, but do you observe what other communities are doing in the state or maybe across the country that are maybe similar size or that have grown in recent years? Do you guys do anything like that to, I guess, learn or, or maybe don't make the mistakes they made or I don't know? Um, yeah, I'm not saying we won't make the same mistakes other communities have, or uh, but we do try to learn from other communities. Um, we, we learn how we learn those things or uh, we're involved with um, in the sprint we're part of the Springfield Missouri metro area um, as such there's regional meetings in the Springfield area we're involved with so we hear um, we get to talk to um, staff from other communities in the area uh, whether they be similar size to Marshfield or larger or smaller um, I don't know that that really makes a difference to learning it's just what you learn and how applicable or how do you can we do it based on our size? Um, also, we're we're more than happy to share our story of how what we're doing and how we do it um, to help. Uh, you know, if it can be a help to others, we're happy to do that. Um, sometimes by us sharing, it helps somebody else, and then it brainstorms into something that we learn in return of how to work a little more efficiently or do some achieve something that maybe we didn't think what we could do. Um, the but so through that and then. Um, through training programs, 
um, we try to always make sure that our annual budget that we have funds available so our staff can be go to training sessions and and continually improve what their what their skill set is and knowledge level is and continually approve that's that's kind of one of my fundamental um, I don't know what the right word is um, things are or thing is is to be a continual learner and never never assume or take the approach of oh, I've learned everything I need to know about this job or uh, there's always more you can learn and you can always get better at what you do so um, and I I think my staff or all of our employees whether they report directly to me or not directly to me I think we all that they have that same mindset and so I think that's that's a um, a key that to me that's a that fundamental mental approach or mindset is a uh, is key to the future of Marshfield because with that we'll never we don't we won't rest on our laurels and, and get to a point where okay we're we're as good as we need to be and as soon as we get that mindset we'll we'll create problems for ourselves down the road in different ways yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, I mean, that's motivating, I think, for the staff, right, that you're investing back in them and their careers and, and, and obviously that invests yeah. back in the city. So that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, what are, it's, I'm, I'm, a two -way, it's a two-way street. The city, the, the employee, every employee has to have that mindset. And so they have to invest in themselves to some degree, but the city has to be willing to invest in them as well. So, um, and if, you know, I, we've had conversations here that may mean that we're we're helping somebody learn something there that's going to may open a door for them that they leave the city for a better opportunity but you know what that that's the flip side of that is if we if we're afraid of that happening and we don't invest we're not going to our employees are going to plateau out and we're we're going to have problems down the road so it's just part of some risk we run but there's other ways to deal with that with other factors of that you know things we do, our culture, internal culture, things like that, that hopefully retain our employees. Yeah, it's, it's like that popular quote that, you know, a lot of people probably see going around where it's, you know, something along the lines of someone says like, you know, what if we, in, what if we invest in our employees and they leave? And, and the response is, well, what if we don't and they stay? So it's kind of that whole exactly. thing is like, you, you got to give, you know, you got to give back, you got to try to make people better. And, you know, ultimately people are going to continue to grow their career either there or somewhere else. So, um, right. As as you've kind of grown up, obviously, with a lot of, you know, these different roles and, and kind of grown in the, the position you are today, are there certain things that you do personally from a, a daily habits or routines, things that you stick with, maybe make you structured or focused or anything like that? Is there anything specific that you've done over your career that has been helpful? Um, I, I try to kind of go into just what we've been talking about here of continually learning, you know, and, and that could be reading, take, making sure there's, I make the time to read through um, organizational. I'm a member of the ICMA and both ICMA and the American Planning Association, both, or International City Managers Association, I guess, and American Planning Association. You know, their magazines that they send out or the emails, uh, electronic newsletters, things like that, reading those. And I'm not always, able to do it to the degree I would like to do or have the time to do it. But I think that's a kind of going back to your question a few minutes ago about how do we continually learn? That's one way. Um, 
and I've consistently tried to do that over the course of my career. Um, and it's just exposure to how, what other communities are doing, as you asked earlier. Um, that's one thing. Um, the, I guess, from an organizational time management standpoint, I've, that's an ever, that's an ongoing thing. I'm, um, I used, in fact, I've just about a month ago, I, I sort of was old school with carrying around a notebook that, each day, each page was a different day, and I had my to-dos handwritten in there, and <clears throat> excuse me, I'd make notes from meetings in there, and I could refer back to that, and about a month or maybe six weeks ago, I, I, I went to a new thing, a lap, <clears throat> excuse me, a small laptop, and not those, those new things have been around for two decades or whatever, three decades, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and got rid of the notebook, and I've gone to a basically a tablet style or small laptop that using some uh, a new app actually of of scheduling and organization, and it's actually um, much easier because I can pull that app up on my phone, my laptop, or my desktop computer, and I've got different ways to access into that and and make notes, and and it's save saving me time and of not having to flip through pages or rewriting things. You know, I didn't get this done today, so I need to write it tomorrow with authority there. So, um, you know, that's whether you're a city administrator, a planner, a secretary, a public works director to uh, somebody in the field, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it's just learning and adapting to what works. And for me, it was, um, I made light of a laptop being a new thing. It's not obviously, but to me, it was what I was comfortable with, but I got, um, you know, exposed to, it, and I finally just made the mental decision to let me just go to this and try, you know, and sat down with somebody, showed me how they do it, and I've tried it, and it's working great. So, um, just time management, that's helping with my time management organization of in my of my day uh, or day and week, actually. So, um, and, well, no, I think that's a good uh, thing. I mean, the fact that you're learning and, yeah. and, and again, that's one of those things you're trying to evolve and saying, hey, I did this for so many years, but hey, let's see, how do I how do I trim a few minutes out of the day or an hour out of the day maybe by doing it better exactly. this that's, way? So, yeah. that, that's exactly what it's done is in the morning, I would sit down with my notebook and I would, it takes me about 20 to 30 minutes to sit down where now it takes me five, maybe 10 minutes in, um, to do it because all I do is go through my list of of my to-dos, if you will, and and put them on my day, you know, there's a little thing I click add to my day and it's there and I don't have to write and search and rewrite and it's just a time savings um, aspect. And and to that point, I like I said, I was old school and I was kind of resistant to going to, the, to that method, even though I'd seen others doing it. And I was just kind of stayed old school with a book, a book and paper and pen and, um, you know, but I see the benefits of it now. So it hit me over the head so many times with a hammer, I eventually will learn. So. Well, John, let, let's end on this. I want to, I want to ask for, I always like to get some advice, you know, things of the wisdom that you've gained over all these years. And, and you could be specific on from a, a local government community standpoint, um, it could be more philosophical advice you live by, quote you live by. Um, it could be a mixture of both. You can you can give a couple pieces here, your call. But I'll kind of give you the the floor here of some advice you'd share with the audience um, just to kind of improve their each and every day. Again, maybe it's something around the community or, or government or something, again, totally away from that, but just something that's helped you 
um, kind of get through life and, and, and continue to evolve. Anything you'd share? Um, sure. Um, I guess I'm going to repeat a little bit or touch on a few things I've said, and I'll hopefully add a few things here. But one is, um, like I talked about the example of the Grant Writing Transit Administration, and my first job out of college was I, six, 12 months into that job, I realized, man, this is not why I went to school. This is not what I wanted to do. Um, was kind of, uh, I don't know, frustrated, right? We're down a little bit about that. Um, but in hindsight, that has been some of the most valuable experience at times that's helped me. And so the lesson that I've taken from that is if I'm, you know, I may be working on something that's just, you know, it's not, it's not fun, quote unquote fun or an enjoyable part of the job. But I try to take that approach of, you know what, it's not, but down the road, it will hopefully pay dividends. I may learn something from this and that's going to, that will make my job in the future more fun or more enjoyable. And so, um, you know, take that mental approach on, on a work aspect that may not, or maybe it's a job somebody has and it's just not the job, but, you know, do the best you can do with it. And then you never know down the road where you're going to, it's going to help you out. Um, that's one thing. Um, another thing is to be, as I mentioned, just a continual learner um, and never, never, never let yourself plateau out on thinking you've learned everything there is or um, that there is to learn or because the world's changing and it's hard to keep up with it sometimes. And um, whether you're making notes on your to-do list on paper and, and being resistant to using a laptop and using technology or something or some other aspect. Um, uh, there was a third thing and it just went, slipped my mind. Um, oh, the um, make sure you carve time out for yourself of, um, don't let work consume you um, because that just leads to burnout and be cognizant of of whether it's taking a, a few minutes in each day or a week or month or um, for yourself. And I've for me personally, and everybody's wired differently, but for me personally, um, I make sure I take a week vacation about every six to eight months. And just because I need to recharge my batteries and get outside the box, get my mind outside the box, my normal day-to-day -day box, and just get away from work. And, um, you, know, you know, I think that's important to just what, figure out what it is that keeps your, your batteries charged and that you don't, you don't just burn out to the point because then you can recharge the batteries when you burn out, but it takes a lot longer. And so I try to make sure I take time not every six to eight months, I take time every month to two months where I'll make a long weekend, something like that. Of just, and it, everybody, like I said, every it's different to everybody and it depends on their personality, their, their the job they're doing and things like that. But uh, make sure you, you take time for yourself and for your family. Obviously those are, hopefully that goes in or is understood by everybody that may be listening. So. Well, that's great advice, John. And, and John, I'm certainly appreciative of you spending some time today kind of sharing your story, um, obviously your background and, and where things are going with the city. And, and hopefully that'll help a lot of other individuals and, and give some insight as well um, into some of those roles you've had. So thank you so much for taking time out. This has been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I've, I've uh, enjoyed this as well. And hopefully the information or things I've shared are of benefit to, to others. 
Hey everyone, thanks for joining in this episode, and we really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave us a quick review, give us a rating. We certainly appreciate any feedback you can share so we can make this podcast better each and every episode. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a phenomenal day. Take care.